Cable news, noisy, boring, out of touch. That's why Salem News Channel is different. We keep you in the know. Streaming 24-7 for free. Home to the greatest collection of conservative voices like Dennis Prager, Jay Sekulow, Mike Gallagher, and more. Salem News Channel is unfiltered and unapologetic. Watch anytime, on any screen at snc.tv and local now channel 525 welcome back tuesday november 7th 2023 i am seth leapson david Dahl, my producer is to my north is miss terry here too yes she is to his north 602-508-0960 is our number should you like to call in and join the conversation a friend and a friend of a friend one lois harrington like to remind that there are certain things that it is incumbent upon us to protect, certain things that deserve protection, some of them words. To protect means etymologically and commonly to shield or cover from danger. Our Constitution uses the word twice. It guarantees protection of the states against invasion, and it tells the president he must swear an oath of office to, among other things, protect the Constitution itself. Our Declaration of Independence bases its issuance and reception on the protection of divine providence, and it indicts King George for putting us outside his realm of protection as an element of his abdication of governance. The concept of protecting certain words, as my friend once told me, came to him by being told we need to protect the word victim. This was in the concept of criminal victims' rights. It was easy, after all, to debase the word and misapply it, including to the oppressor, the torturer, the criminal actor. I'm depraved on account that I'm deprived, said Riff, a gang member of the Jets in West Side Story. And we adopt that and lose sight of that here, don't we? We forget the real victim and ensure a sedulous and exquisite cascade of rights and concerns for the violent rather than the recipients, the victims of the violent. We haven't protected that word. We see this with misplaced compassion in wartime, too. The massive protests of late have made Gazans the victims, not Israelis who occupy a sliver of land targeted by every border and beyond each border, having just suffered a slaughter. And we are seeing it in the victimization of Jews here, where, as Douglas Murray put it recently, quote, we need to keep our house in order and we are in current disarray. Good word, that disarray, literally out of order, out of proper arrangement. He goes on, it should not be acceptable that the Jewish community, among all of the communities of this country, in this diverse country, should be the one community expected to accept with equanimity those who cheer on the murder of Jews and those who support the murder of Jews. It is not acceptable that the Jewish community should be the only community in this land that is expected to put up with murder and then be scorned for their fellow Jews being murdered. No other community would accept this, and I beg you not to accept it either. I beg you not to accept it. Close quote. I noted someone yesterday on Twix pointing out with the news of the death of an elderly Jew in Los Angeles killed by a pro-Palestinian protester, that when these protesters are compared to Tea Party protesters of yore, we might ask, did the Tea Party protests have a body count? And did not the media spelunk high and low, mostly low, to find the most aberrational and extreme sign here and there held by someone at a Tea Party rally. 
Where is that media now, especially when the spelunking is not even necessary and invocations to genocide are in plain sight? We need to protect proper thinking and priorities. We need to protect our Constitution, and we haven't protected our states or our Constitution very well either, have we? We need to protect priorities of proper concern, too. One example, hundreds of billions of fraud have been discovered in our COVID wheels and subventions, about a quarter of the amount we've sent to Ukraine. Yep, more think about fraud of that money, the smaller amount, than the larger that was fraudulently misspent here. Lungs and brains, speaking of COVID, we are a society that is scrupulous about protecting lungs, from COVID to cigarettes and cigars. We seem to care little about brains, including in how we dealt with COVID, and we seem to care less about brain damage and distortion from illegal drugs, but also social media use and effects, as Professor Jonathan Haidt and others continually try to warn regarding depression, anxiety, disinhibition disorder, and even suicidal ideation. Political concepts. Interesting new poll from the New York Times showing Republican candidates such as Donald Trump and Nikki Haley beating Joe Biden in battleground states across major issues from the economy to national security to immigration to the Israel-Gaza war. Interesting, less, less so and not so much on two issues, words they use with much vaguer meanings, abortion and democracy. Those are words that require protection these days, too. Abortion will be where Democrats want to run this election, and it's easily distortable. Take the issue in Arizona. There will be a constitutional amendment on the ballot as an initiative next year. The proponents will tell you it is a common-sense amendment that protects the right of a woman to have an abortion only up until the viability of the child outside the womb. That is false. If you read the text, it allows for abortion any time during gestation if the mental health of the mother is at issue, the legal interpretation of which includes daily stress. That mental health we tend to take seriously in this country. But take the issue a step further. Compared to everything else, it's surprising to me how much of a political trigger this is. It affects a very small population, but a huge, I would say, inordinate amount of political and legal, legal attention, the service of a political cause. There are about 75 million women of birth-giving age, with about 700,000 abortions annually. We are talking about 1% of women of birth-giving age seeking or receiving abortions. Now, remove 90% of that for non-exigent or physically medically necessary considerations, and you're in minuscule territory, especially considering women of voting age versus women of abortion potential age. We need to protect our politics around that debate and our language about that debate. By the way, the whole notion of protection in this debate is worth considering, protecting a right versus protecting a child or a life. Such disarray of the very use of the word protect in what we are protecting has obscured and distorted our politics over the whole issue. And we need to protect the word democracy. It is used as a cudgel by one side of our political spectrum, as in Republicans are a threat or existential threat to democracy. Without even getting into the issue of whether we are a democracy, James Madison put it in Federalist 10 that democracy is the cause of, quote, turbulence and contention, close quote. But where the politician who takes ordinary and normal political positions from the Republican Party or conservative movement, opposition to race-based preferences going back 60 years might be an example, and claims they constitute a threat to democracy? 
While thinking on this, consider the word racist or racism. Those words used to be toxic, and they should be. They are among the worst things a person or entity can be, and they've been detoxified, sanitized of their poignancy by syntactical saturation, indiscriminate use deployed in the course of what used to be ordinary political dispute. Same with the words Nazi and fascist. They used to mean things, and they used to abhor. Now all these once important words are just substitutes for that which I disagree with, or conservative, or Republican. Gore Vidal called William Buckley a crypto-Nazi on a nationwide television show in 1968, and that may have been where this began. But it's simply unmoored now everywhere. Even the cognates like anti-Semitism suffer the same problem, especially once it was waged against the father and grandfather of Orthodox Jews who happened to be our last Republican president and the strongest supporter of Israel to reside at 1600 Pennsylvania Avenue to boot. They didn't like his other policies or demeanor, so he was, among other things, of a sudden an anti-Semite. These words should be important, and they should have meaning, and they should reach the heights of abhorrence and pejorative connotation. Racist, Nazi, fascist, anti-Semite. But by inapt, indiscriminate, and political expedient overuse, the words themselves have become insulted because they were not protected, just like the word victim wasn't, hasn't been protected. We have a lot of things deserving, requiring protection these days. Even the notion of a Republican form of government, that very phrase needs protection, especially when you see pollsters asking about the health of our democracy. Lots of protection needed these days. It starts with certain words. Ralph Waldo Emerson once put it that, quote, a man's power connect to connect his thought with its proper symbol and so to utter it depends on the simplicity of his character that is upon his love of truth and his desire to communicate it without loss. Close quote. Character. Truth. Those are words worthy of protection, too. Just now, especially, it would seem. I'm Seth Liebson, 602-508-0960. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the Seth Leibson Show, 602. Six, I forgot the number. What's our number? 5080960. How, there you go. How does that happen? 602 How does that happen? I say it eight times a day, five days a week. That's 40 times a week. How, do, how does that happen? I forgot the code to get in the other day. I did. I had to call Mr. Bill and... Say, I'm embarrassed I forgot the code. I punch that five times a day, probably. Five days a week. Probably not five. Muscle memory. It's weakening. I wonder if you can have linguistic muscle memory. Yeah, well, or numeric. We're losing it here. Losing it. Got to do some uh, brain exercises, I suppose. Do you do brain exercises? Should I? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. People do crosswords and things like that. That song seemed appropriate today. Can I tell you why? You're dating a Kentucky woman. Uh, no. Uh, <laughs> Kentucky governor's race today. Oh, okay. Uh, we probably won't find out results by the end Boy, of the Boy, the show, Democrats really tomorrow. like that guy. Bashir, is that it? But, yeah. They really like that guy. Kentucky. Yeah, okay. You want me to move on from things kentucky we, we can the ohio ohio's got an interesting vote the abortion vote in ohio the constitutional one. yeah issue one right 
nine million versus something like thirty million put into that race. Um, new report out. You won't see much about this in the media, if anything. But uh, please do go to your favorite search engine and, and look for it. Um, the Department of Homeland Security, through a program known as EIP, which is in collaboration with many universities, report from uh, the judici- Judiciary of the House of Representatives uh, showing all this effort to suppress speech on Twitter and uh, on Twitter and Instagram, uh, on campuses, everywhere. Um, targeting people like, of course, Candace Owens and Charlie Kirk and Mike Huckabee and Newt Gingrich, uh, some of it even humorous, all under the guise of that which we were discussing yesterday, misinformation and disinformation, even humorless stuff. I mean, even Mike Huckabee uh, put out a tweet, uh, stood in the rain for an hour to early vote today. When I got home, I filled in my stack of mail-in ballots and then voted the ballots of my deceased parents and grandparents. They vote just like me. That was banned from Twitter. That was flagged by the Department of Homeland Security as uh, putting out election disinformation. Beware the humorless, by the way. That's a point to think about. Beware the humorless. The left... There are some left-wing comics, obviously, most of them probably, but they're not doing college campuses anymore, and they're not doing left-wing venues. And I don't know how many of you have gone to a comedy club lately, but you're not mostly going to be in a room full of leftists. Beware the humorless. I've, 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 I've always thought that. And you, not everything is a laughing matter, obviously, but if someone can't laugh, if they're just so serious... Um, beyond any ability if they take themselves so seriously and everything so seriously. Um, you're in the presence of um, of danger, I think. Um, anyway, uh, interesting segue. This has been going all around the Internet. Speaking of Election Day today, um, a voter, a Democratic uh, voter uh, in Virginia accosted a uh, Republican poll greeter. So at the polls, you're allowed to stand so many feet away, depending on the state, from the voting area, from the voting booths, and hand out literature and say, would you like, you know, a Republican voter guide or something like that? And there's this guy. You can see it all over the place. Have you seen this yet, David? You don't have a chance to check your social accounts much during the day, but you will see it. It is everywhere, this guy. Um, Otherwise, normal looking guy this is this is not someone you would think is anything other than you know your high school history teacher 20 years ago or um you know an attorney or something i'm glad they got this guy on camera i'm glad they did and he has no by the way uh rights here to complain about that because he asked to take a picture of the republican poll worker anyway he walks up from a distance to this guy who's doing nothing other than the crime of being a Republican poll worker. That's all this guy's doing. He's a Republican poll worker handing out literature. And this guy walks up to him, and it's laden with the F word. This guy's throwing the F word at this Republican all over the place. You guys tried to overturn an election. You might as well have been walking up to my head on the way to the polling station and putting a gun to it and trying to tell me not to vote, the man said. Really? We had a column, Josh Hammer and I, yesterday talking about using the phrase that too many people are 
trying to transubstantiate words into violence, this is a pretty good example of that. Words are not usually violence. Um, they can inspire violence. They can incite violence. They can be calls to violence. But words in and of themselves are words, uh, which is why I always thought it was important that another thing we need to protect is the original intent of the First Amendment. Speaking of protecting, please do note that our people who wrote the First Amendment, primarily James Madison, these were men skilled in the use of the English language. I don't think that's an arguable proposition. They knew how to write, and they knew how to speak, and they knew how to use words. The First Amendment, they did not say in the First Amendment abridging freedom of expression. They said speech, not expression. Expression and speech are two different things. Expression is an action. Speech is not. They could have used expression if they wanted to. They could have meant or implied expression if they wanted to. You know they did not want to because right after speech, they say freedom of the press. They would not need to say press if they meant expression. It would have covered everything. They said speech and they said press. By the way, you know that they had expression and expressive activity on their mind because the first part of the First Amendment is the religion, the Freedom of Exercise Clause. Congress shall make no law respecting an establishment of religion nor prohibiting the free exercise thereof, the exercise of it. They knew what they were talking about. They knew the difference between action and speech. Anyway, <coughs> First Amendment needs protection, too. Too many things are covered as it uh, by it under the guise of it being expressive activity. Expressive activity is not speech. And by the way, I do believe that is the trick, trick of the mind of the left in transubstantiating speech into violence. They think speech can be violence. It cannot be. You guys tried to overturn the election. You might as well have been walking up to my head on the way to the polling station and putting a gun to my head and t try to tell me not to vote. He goes on and on and on. But no, the guys are very far away. Who knows if these guys tried to overturn an election? I know that January 6th, if that's what he's talking about, was not an overturning an election. That was a ballot counting day, not a transfer of power day. Let's keep that in mind, too, and protect that notion as well. I'm Seth Liebson. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the Seth Leapson Show. For our culture and economy update, we are always delighted to have John Dombrowski with us. He is the president and founder of Grand Canyon Planning Associates. GrandCanyonPlanning.com is his website. Great way to uh, reach out to him, learn more about Grand Canyon. How are Grand Canyon Planning? How are you, John? I'm great. How you doing, Seth? I was taking a little bit. Uh, you've seen the movie Elf. Yes. Of course, as everyone yes. has. It's uh, 20 years old uh, today. And mm -hmm. Bob Newhart, who has been with us our whole lives, mm -hmm. says that his Papa Elf role is yep. the biggest role he's ever had. He's more recognized for that than anything else he's ever done. Wow. Isn't that wow. interesting? You know, it is funny because I don't think of – I mean, yes, I he, certainly I yes. do call him me in that. But I think of the old Bob Newhart show. Yeah, of course. And, and then he had his other show, which was the – Newhart. Uh, yeah, in New, Vermont. Was it just Newhart just in Vermont, Newhart. right? Yeah. With, yeah. With uh, who is Mary his uh, handyman? 
Oh yeah, his old friend, uh, the handyman. Yeah. yeah, they were good friends. He Tom was on Poston? the old yeah Tom Poston. He was on yeah. the old Bob Newhart show as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> the peeper. That and so that's what I really I remember him yeah, from. Yeah, of course. But, but yeah, of course I do remember him in uh, in Elf, which I thought was a fantastic movie. Love of it. Of course it is. You know what we? There's something like on a sad note, eight thousand people die a day here in America. Mm. Yes, and. So one of the things you're expert on is, you know, estate planning and what happens when someone dies. Do you want to walk us through that? Yeah, you know, that is true, Seth. And, you know, unfortunately, we did see so many people pass away during, um, you know, COVID when that hit. And many people were unprepared. They just really didn't have their affairs in order. And that's something that our firm, Grand Canyon Planning, has been helping uh, with Arizona residents for many, many, many years. Uh, is establishing uh, some form of an estate plan for them, whether that's, uh, you know, estate planning documents, including a trust or a will or powers of attorney, all sorts of documents that are part of a of a comprehensive estate plan. And people think sometimes, okay, well, mom passed away, and I know she talked about leaving the house to us three kids, so I guess it just goes to us three children as an example. Well, that's not necessarily the case. There has to be some pre-planning that goes into this before uh, things can transition to the next generation in a simple way. And I, I, I can't stress enough how important it is for people to be informed about this. And uh, many people just think that things just happen because maybe someone has a will. Uh, but a will has to go through what's called the probate process, which is a court process uh, to make sure that that will is valid and to prove that will. Uh, to be uh, a legitimate document so that assets can transfer. And that can take time and it can take, you know, money for that to uh, transpire. So many people do what's called a revocable living trust, which our office does provide that service as well. Uh, And this is a way for people, if it's properly drafted and funded properly, that it can avoid probate. So you would have that simple transition to beneficiaries. Good. Talk to me about this. Mm-hmm. Obviously, it. Well, I shouldn't have said that. I shouldn't have said obviously. Does it matter if you have family members in one state and a decedent in another? Uh, no, that that really wouldn't matter okay. if your estate planning documents are properly drafted. I'll give you an example right now. We just had a client who passed away, and there's two children involved in the estate, uh, and they did not have a uh, a fully funded estate plan in place. And so uh, we did find that there was a retirement account, which the retirement account had a beneficiary listed on it. So that uh, is something that is going to be a, a nice, smooth transition. Uh, but there was another investment portfolio that was not didn't have any beneficiaries listed on it. It was only in the individual's name. So when that person passed away, no one has access now to this account. Okay. And the account cannot just be given to beneficiaries because there are no beneficiaries listed. It's just the estate of this deceased person. Mm -hmm. So it's going to have to go through a probate process before it's going to ultimately be able to be transferred to the beneficiaries of the estate. All avoidable. So, Yeah, all avoidable if you you plan properly. As I said, you've got to do uh, a little legwork ahead of time to make sure that these things uh, can be in place so that there is that smooth transition, which most people would want, I would imagine. And there is also some tax benefits in the state of Arizona that we have as what's called a community property state, Mm -hmm. being one of only a handful of states in the nation that are community property states, that upon the death of a spouse, 
uh, the surviving spouse can get what's called a step-up in cost basis on a capital asset, which can give them um, a tremendous amount of savings, tax savings, if, if indeed the assets are properly titled and properly owned. So again, uh, working with a good uh, advisor is important when it comes to your investments to make sure that you have things titled correctly. Uh, and that your goals are going to be accomplished, whether that's, uh, you know, whether you're trying to grow your assets, trying to preserve those assets, uh, wanting to pass assets to beneficiaries. Uh, all of those things come into play uh, when you're meeting with a, with an advisor to make sure that you're being properly, um, you know, given the, given the proper information to accomplish what your goals are. Thank you, John. Welcome back to the Seth Liebson Show, 602-508-09. Six zero. There's another um, another effort to censure Rashida Tlaib taking place. I think as we speak in the House of Representatives, Rashida Tlaib, uh, U.S. Congresswoman from uh, Michigan, um, the first effort failed. Um, we'll see if this one uh, succeeds. It looks like more Democrats are on board this time, or at least one is, who allowed the censure motion to go forward. Uh, she is coming to. Uh, she is scheduled to come to Phoenix uh, later this month to give a talk for the Council on American Islamic Relations, known as CARE. And um, this is this is actually interesting. She was um, the event was slated to. We had mentioned this. Uh, it was slated to uh, take place at the Sheraton Mesa Hotel uh, at uh, Wrigleyville West. We had a caller actually mention this and say that we should. Um, we should call the uh, manager. She gave the phone number and the manager's name, uh, telling him to cancel it. That they don't, they shouldn't have their hot- hotel affiliated and associated with such Jew hatred. And the story in the Arizona Republic from a couple of days ago is: guess what? The hotel did cancel the event. Yeah, exactly right. Uh, so good for the Sheraton. Now give them more business, please. Go and if you have if if you have cause to use them, use them, even for a bite or a drink or something. Thank them. Thank them for canceling this. Uh, Rashida Tlaib from the censure motion said she gets a calming feeling when thinking about the genocide of millions of Jews. Uh, She retweeted an illustration with the caption, From the river to the sea, Palestine will be free. And this Palestinian Liberation Organization slogan has been adopted by Hamas Hamas, and calls for the elimination of Israel and death to Jews. November 3rd of this year, Rashida Tlaib tweeted that the slogan from the river to the sea, which calls for genocide of all Jews, is, quote, an aspirational call for freedom, human rights, and peaceful coexistence, close quote. September 2022, Rashida Tlaib displayed her disdain for Israel by saying, quote, you cannot claim to hold progressive values and back Israel's apartheid government, close quote. On October 8th of this year, she wrote, quote, the path to the future must include lifting a blockade, ending the occupation and dismantling the apartheid system that creates the suffocating, dehumanizing conditions that can lead to resistance, that can lead to resistance. Because Israel is an apartheid state, it is not. This is a lie, and it's a libel that this is an apartheid state. Anyone who's been there can tell you that. Even people who have been there um, and come back and try and explain <laughs> to people, do they even know what apartheid means? And here's something. Here's an interesting uh, thought experiment. I could go on and on. Uh, yeah, in fact, I will. We'll come back to the thought experiment. Whereas, the, um, whereas Rashida Tlaib 
helped incite an illegal occupation at the United States Capitol on October 18, 2023, which put members of Congress, their staffs, and Capitol visitors in danger by shutting down elevators, stairwells, and points of egress while obstruct, obstructing official business in both the House of Representatives and the Senate, whereas the illegal occupation incited by Rashida Tlaib was organized by, quote, Jewish Voices for Peace, which even the Anti-Defamation League, which is a group on the left, calls a radicalist anti-Israel activist group that advocates for complete economic, cultural, and academic boycotts of the state of Israel, where several illegal occupiers at the Capitol belong to a group messaging chat called Global Intifada, which is obviously the word for rebellion or uprising, whereas by inciting an illegal occupation of the capital, Rashida Tlaib followed Hezbollah's orders to carry out a, quote, day of unprecedented Precedented anger, whereas over 300 arrests were made following the occupation, uh, such as crowd for crowding, obstruct, obstructing or incommoding, and for assaulting police officers, and where members of Congress who denounced the United States while praising tor- terrorist organizations are unfit to hold office, Rashida Tlaib should be censured. How is this hard? How is this hard? It didn't even get into her lie about the hospital bombing, which she is still saying is worth looking into. Earth Earth to Rashida, it's been looked into. How is this hard? Members of the White House are now pushing back against Rashida Tlaib, too, for her criticism of the Biden administration and saying the American people are not with you. The American people are with the administration's general position on this, siding with Israel, not Hamas, from the river to the sea. Here's the thought experiment. Next time someone says that, ask them to show it to you on a map. Ask them to show it to you on a map. What is it they're talking about? Where is the river, and where is the sea, and what's in between? Ask them to do that. Now, um, is not just uh, Democrats who are choking on this. Several Republicans have as well. About five of them wanted not to have this resolution move forward. I cannot understand why. Nothing about not having such a resolution move forward makes sense to me. A censure is not an expulsion. Expulsion takes a supermajority vote. Censure just takes a majority vote. It's nothing more. It's little more than a slap on the wrist. It's just a notation that your colleagues have found you to be condemnable. And she is condemnable. She is condemnable. Um, I understand that in defending the fact that she has a Palestinian flag in front of her office in the U.S. Capitol, I understand that she is the first Palestinian Arab to be representing, uh, to be a representative in the U.S. House of Representatives. I understand that. There's a lot of firsts. There's a lot of firsts of everything. It doesn't dictate that you stand with and defend genocide. It doesn't dictate your culture, your heritage, that you stand with or defend any position on anything whatsoever. But for her to hide behind her ethnicity or her nationality to give her cover for these sentiments or for others to let her do that or get away with doing that is its own form of racism. It says nationality. It says ethnicity. It dictates your thought. If that were true, I would have more in common with Chuck Schumer than I do Larry Elder. It's obviously not true. 
it's obviously not true. This is a woman who hates. This is a woman who is supporting terrorism. This is a woman who is supporting genocide. This is a Marxist who thinks the word freedom and liberation can be used to justify violence. That is the Marxist, Marxist trick of the, of the dictionary. Those are words that need to be protected too. Peace and freedom. When you and I say peace and freedom, it means something entirely different to a terrorist or a revolutionary. To them, peace or freedom is violence. That's why it's called the Liberation Organization, and it's a terrorist organization. They don't call themselves a terrorist organization as a terrorist organization. They call themselves a liberation organization, though they're a terrorist organization. Liberation needs protection, too, as Lincoln said. Well, why are we doing that? I didn't realize there'd be all the interference in the background. Well, it wasn't interference. It was gunshots. Indeed, interference. Why Why are we even playing the A-Team? Why not? We started off with Newhart. They're two entirely different shows. No one authorized the A-Team. Just because it's a show that doesn't exist anymore doesn't mean we want the theme song. Henry Mancini did Newhart. It was beautiful. It was mellifluous. This... Is Discord. Mellifluous. That reminds me of the only time that William F. Buckley uttered a false word on firing line. What was it? He tried to take mellifluous and used it and said malafluity, which in fact was not a word. Oh, really? Yeah. How do you know this? I just happened to know it for some reason, and that's one of the only times that uh, he uttered a false word. If he kept doing it, he could have made it a he could have made it a yeah, word, yes. he, yeah, it could have become a neologism. There's a lot of false words that have become words. He probably also had a recalcitrant, recalcitrant producer who told him not to say words like that on he air. He didn't have a recalcitrant producer. He had a great producer, a um, man named uh, Charles Freeman, who wrote a beautiful essay about him, and then Warren Stiebel, I believe. They were dutiful. They played the music he wanted. They weren't obstreperous. They weren't impertinent. They weren't refractory. They were very good producers. Warren Stiebel and Charles Friedman. I shall have Chet, to yeah, uh, you may want to yes. you may want to call them for hints and tips. <laughs> Are they still living? Yeah. Okay. Absolutely. Well, actually, yes, they're older, but they're, I think they're still living. Call them up and ask which rendition of Bach we should have for the Seth Liebson no, show. No. 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 <laughs> Call them up and ask them, when the host of the show asks for certain music, do you play it? Answer, yes. There, I saved you a long-distance phone call. Darn. I was saving the, my The brother. races to watch today, there are a few. Uh, the Kentucky governor, Andy Bashir versus uh, is it Daniel Cameron, the attorney general there. Um, boy, the Democrats really love Bashir. Uh, Mississippi governor, and then I think the Ohio abortion issue is probably the other big one. Um, those are the big races to watch. We'll see if the Virginia legislature picks up some seats. Um, and then watch to see, you know, how much is made of these things. Um, I'm, I'm particularly interested 
in the Ohio vote, and I'm particularly interested in the Kentucky governor's race. But by tomorrow, we'll know. And by the way, tomorrow, there is a presidential debate that we will be covering uh, live right here on this station. Uh, We'll have special coverage before the debate, hosted by Mike Gallagher. I mean, I'll be doing my show, but then Mike Gallagher will do an hour before the debate. Then after the debate, Sam Stone, Hugh Hallman, myself, probably young David, if he— if he minds his P's and Q's, he'll join us as well. And uh, we did find a food sponsor. Capital Grill's going to feed us. How good is that? Great restaurant. We'll be right back. <laughs> 